0: Hey, what's up, Kiki Crew? This is your girl, Coco, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Kiki and with Coco. If you are new to the show, let me tell you a little bit about it. It's about life in general with an emphasis on relationships. I have my friends, family, or guests come on the show, and we kiki about whatever the topic of today is, so I'm really excited about the guests that we have on today. we met at um, like, you know, just local meetup type deals, pop-up shops here in the area I live in. And, you know, as part of this movement, I'm doing to get more involved with the, the people in my local community. Um, her name is Aurelius. So Aurelius, you want to go ahead and say, what's up? Tell the Kiki crew a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey guys. So yes, my name is Aurelius. I am an Army veteran and I am an author. I'm also a YouTuber. I wrote a book about mental health with emphasis on relationships. Okay, and that fits right
0: into what the show is about which is why you're here today so yes. I'm excited but before we get into the nitty-gritty we start off every every episode with a drink with cocoa and it is typically recommended by the guests so Aurelius you want to let us know what your drink recommendation for this week
1: is? My drink is a Long Island iced tea Come on, Long Island. And (laughs) And that drink has vodka, tequila, triple sweat, gin, and rum. Not one tap of tea is in (laughs) it. But I like that drink because I feel like a Long Island is a sophisticated drink. Mm -hmm. It feels like what I should be drinking when I go out in the city, when I go out to restaurants and stuff. Because I feel like I'm in a sophisticated state of mind right now. Yeah. So the Long Island iced tea is my sophisticated drink. Okay. So I will say
0: when I go someplace and I'm not necessarily for certain what I want to order, um, I'll go with, if it's not a margarita, I'll probably go with a Long Island margarita. I mean, a Long Island iced tea. So. But it has
1: to be top
2: shelf.
0: Yeah, top shelf. Because maybe we're not... We don't yeah we can't do that with the regular one yeah I was just telling my homeboy like I was like damn I should have brought some some liquor to your house because I don't drink bottom shelf. like I need top mm-hmm. stuff. that's how I'm able to get up the next day and still operate <laughs> okay because when you be drinking that bottom shelf you definitely gonna be down for the count the next day <laughs> <laughs> So yes, if you have not had a Long Island iced tea, I definitely suggest that you get you some, try it out. If you have, you know, you know why you drink a Long Island iced tea, but now that we got this drink going, we're going to go ahead and get into the word on the street. So word on the street is some black excellence this week. We have a 13 year old girl. She has been Black girl who has been accepted to medical school already, and she only 13 years old. She just finished up two undergraduate degrees in biological sciences and yeah, I think that's super dope. Like I used to want to be a doctor. And then when I got to high school and I failed biology, I realized like science was not for me. So, (laughs) so I think it's super amazing and super dope that, you know, this 13 year old girl has finished college already. It took me 13 years to even finish college. So, um, you know, I think that's super dope. Aurelius, what are your thoughts?
1: So what I said about her, this 13-year-old, Alana Wicker, motivates 40-year-old Aurelius. She, When I read her story, when I was reading about the things that she likes and she loves to continue learning, she always wants to learn something new. And I'm just like, Aurelius, that's something that you should pick up like on this journey that you're on you should always want to acquire new knowledge. So, so I was like, I should take that a page out of her book. And I'm just like, girl, at 13 years old, I was still playing with baby dolls. Like yeah. I wasn't thinking about no school, well, not no college, no high school. Mm-mm. I was just having fun. And this little queen is out here doing the damn thing. Yeah. And it's just such, it's just such a uh, inspiration. Cause like, like you, I didn't get my degrees until I was in my thirties. Mm-hmm. So she's doing all this at her young age. I'm just like, look, little queen,
2: she's yeah. doing it.
0: She is definitely a queen and an inspiration, even though she's doing all of this at such a young age. Like you said, I think this is encouraging to people of all ages, to be like, regardless of what age I am, I can't go back to school. I know, like, for me, once I get my master's degree, I'm done with, like, collegiate-level collegiate, collegiate level schooling. But, like, if there's some type of certification, a licensing, I would definitely say, go for it. You know, yesterday, mm-hmm. I just so happened to go to someone's, uh, it was like a graduation party. Like, I kind of just stopped by, but it was a graduation party for a mom and a daughter and the mom basically got a, um, I guess, a certification to do medical admin and billing and all that type of stuff and she was like 50 years old and I'm like, congratulations, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it may not seem like anything big to someone else, but the fact that she even decided to go back to school mm-hmm. to do anything to enter back into the workforce, I think that was amazing. So I definitely say shout out to everybody that's in school. Shout out to all these young kids, because there's so many of them um, that you hear about. But like, just shout out to them for being amazing, to those parents that are supporting their mm-hmm. kids and, and realizing that they have gifted children. And mm-hmm. that's, that's the main thing the main thing is like realizing like your kid is above average you know what i'm saying and i think that that goes to show like how involved that their parents are
1: yeah and i mean i was even her mind frame even some of her quotes like she said what is age they asked her during the interview and she's like you're not too young to do anything I feel like I have proven to myself I can do anything that I put my heart and mind to. Like that's just some inspirational stuff right there. Like coming from a 13 year old, that just shows what her mind frame is. Like she's well advanced in her age in her ages. And the fact that when she applied to medical, medical school, there was only 7% of applicants being accepted and of that, only 7% of that of those were African American. Mm-hmm. So the statistics were against her. And she even posted that on her Instagram. The statistics showed that I wasn't gonna make it, but she did. she excelled. and she got and she got accepted into medical school, and this is just black excellence at its greatest. I love it. I love to see it definitely I definitely
0: um yeah like you said it's straight up black excellence and it's she's an inspiration to many and like she said age what is that Mm -hmm. like at any age you can do anything you set your mind to and which and I I can myself attest to that like You know, being in the military, it's not easy being in the military. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? You have to make a conscious decision or a conscious effort to to be like, this is what I'm doing, you know, like to commit. And she has legitimately committed herself to, you know, furthering her education, which I think is amazing at such a young age. Mm
1: -hmm. She said her goal is to be a a doctor by
2: 20.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay,
1: So she's definitely on the right track
0: definitely yes so you know shout out to little miss elena was it elena what's her name elena wicker okay yes shout out to her for just being amazing and dope and so now that we got a little bit of black excellence out the way we gonna go ahead and get into something that's a bit more questionable uh, this next lady she has been arrested for impersonating herself as a nurse and trying to steal a baby from the hospital a newborn baby from the hospital um this this happened in california and she is 23 years old and she basically entered into a patient's room and told them that she was a nurse and then she took the baby um someone in the hospital just so happened to notice that she was leaving with the baby and stopped her. But, um, you know, she is behind bars. She has bail it's set at a million dollars right now. But to me, that, to me that seems like there's some type of mental instability in her situation because what, what in your mind said it was okay to go take somebody's baby? Like, why would you do something like that? You know what I'm saying? Like to me, being a parent is like one of the best titles to ever be held. And so to have, even though I'm not a parent, I just think that it's amazing to be a parent, you know, and a lot of people go through a lot of stuff to become parents. And so it's just like, you know, you don't know what that family's journey was to have their baby. And then here you come trying to steal a joy. Like where in your mind did you think that was okay?
1: So my first thought was, oh my God, her, her bill is a million dollars. Like, wow, they're like really taking it serious. Like they, I don't know if it's like, if that's how much, a normal bell is or they're making an example out of her but I was like oh my god but the very next thing I said was I wouldn't be surprised if mental health comes into play into this and you said that exactly yeah so those were my thoughts exactly because when like you say for to fix yourself to go to a hospital, you had to really think about this shit and something in your head was telling you it was okay to do this, right. to go and pretend to be a nurse, to go and find a uniform to wear, to go at this hospital, to find this baby and take this baby home. Something in your mind said, yeah, it's okay to do this. Yeah. So when it's time for her to go to, to trial for this, I'm pretty sure mental health is going to be brought
2: up in this case. Yeah.
0: And, you know, I be watching a lot of TV and, you know, just reading a lot of books. And in most instances where I feel like folks is out here stealing people's babies, it's in an effort to try and, like, feel a void that they have. Maybe mm-hmm. they lost the baby or something, you know, something happened to their baby where they no longer have them. And... You know, they like have some type of men- mental instabilities, and so maybe that could be one of the reasons why. Because I just don't see no other reason for you to be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go steal a baby."
1: Yeah, I've seen plenty lifetime movies like <laughs> that, <laughs> so I do get it. So that's why I said, yes, her mental health is gonna come into play, definitely.
2: hmm yeah.
1: And if it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if instead of going to prison she goes to a mental
0: hospital yeah yeah when it's all said and done I could see that being um the course of action that ends up happening
1: because they're definitely gonna sit her down and talk with some therapists and psychiatrists Mm. and they're gonna ask the questions and depending on what she says to them then that's the direction you're gonna be going in but I mean, I I could, I'm trying to imagine myself as the parents of that baby. Mm. Like to bring a child into this world, like you say, that's one of the most joyous moments of a parent's life. I remember when I brought both of my sons into this world, it was the best day ever. It was just the best feeling. So I imagine if I just had my baby and somebody tried to steal my baby. Like, what is that going to do to me mentally? Yeah. Like, oh my God, somebody tried to steal my baby. Like, uh,
0: I, I, I need the max punishment.
1: Yes. And I'm like, maybe that's why her bail is so high. Because like, that could devastate a new mother. And then, I mean, we haven't gotten to the topic yet but when I had my oldest son, I had postpartum depression. Yeah. And that could be something to send a mother over the edge. Mm-hmm. Like you don't know what that could do to somebody.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like to me, I like overall, I don't understand like doing something intention- intentionally to hurt someone else because that's what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? Like you're hurting someone else in an effort to enhance your own happiness. And it's unfortunate when people have those types of situations where they feel like they have to do that to attain something that they desperately want, you know?
1: Yeah, I agree with that. But it is... This is something that you just see in a in a lifetime movie. That's all that I could think of with this story. Like the, yeah. I've seen this in a lifetime movie,
2: mm-hmm. and it
1: never ends well for that muck for the mother that steals the child.
0: Yeah, it definitely don't. It remind me of one of those lifetime movies where. The lady had kidnapped the baby, basically raised this child. Was it the Black girl? I think so, yeah. Yeah. And parents was, like, still looking for her all those years later.
2: And mm-hmm. it ended up
0: coming out, like, that the girl was kidnapped. But that was the only mother that she had ever known.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, I remember that. So she, she tried was- to connect with her birth mother. And it's like her birth mother was getting mad at her because they were not connecting. Yep yeah I remember
0: yeah and it's like I think it's unfortunate to even want to put a child through that either you know like you not only cause hurt for this this other mother but you taking this kid like in the long run how does this affect that
1: child exactly Mm -hmm. that's what I think about the kids (laughs) yeah
0: for sure which and I think most, like a lot of people when they making decisions don't take into account like how those decisions will affect their children, um, which I think is, and and I don't see nothing wrong with that because in those moments, you probably feeling like you making the best decision possible. You know what I'm saying? But those decisions still affect other people.
1: Well, speaking from a parent's perspective. Mm-hmm. I can look back and say because um, I didn't get diagnosed with my mental disorders until I was 30. Mm. So I had no idea that I had mental disorders and I'm raising two kids as a single mother. And you know, I did the best that I could. Yeah. But me, but it's like, I, with my kids, I was forced to grow up with them, we grew up together, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, now the relationship that I have with my boys, like, it's so beautiful, like, we went through so much when they were younger, Mm -hmm. but, and, you know, we've gone through things in our lives, but the fact that I still have a relationship with both of my boys at the end of the day, like, that still makes me feel like dang Rich, you did something right with your boys,
0: yeah, and I think that's that's also something to think about, like there in any type of relationship, whether that be romantic with your children, with your coworkers, with your friends, there's gonna be some some difficulties, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but it's where you are on the other side of the door, you know what I'm saying, um that makes that struggle or whatever that hardship was for y'all worth it you know because it's just like we went through this but we came out on top and we're better for it
1: Mm -hmm. and that's exactly what happened in in my situation
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and it's i'm just so grateful like i i'm a very spiritual person so i just thank god for the relationship that i have with my sons because you know, we've been through a lot. I I didn't always make the best decisions, and I'm sorry to go back to what we were talking about. I completely went left with that. No, you- but to go back to what we were talking about, I moved my boys around a lot. I made a lot of decisions when my boys were growing up, and a lot of times I never took their their opinions into consideration. Mm-hmm. I was only thinking about myself, and I didn't, I never, it never dawned on me, like, Arayas, you never asked the boys, like, how do you feel about this, what do you think about this decision, mm-hmm. but I was just making the decisions, and I don't know to this day how that's affected them, mm-hmm. But I did reach out to them one time, and I asked them about something that we went through. And I said, you know, how did that affect y'all? And they both gave me their opinions on it. And because I never thought to ask, it was something really traumatic that we went through. And I never thought to ask them how did it affect them. Yeah. So we had a whole moment talking about that. And I'm just like, again, just so grateful to have the relationship with my boys even though I'm pretty sure I didn't always do what was in the best interest of them or take their feelings into consideration, but we made it on the other side. Yeah,
2: you
0: you do the best with what you, you do the best you can with what you got and what you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I definitely believe that wholeheartedly. And and i think that in for that reason in certain instances i think people should give parents grace
2: mm-hmm.
0: because i feel like i mean you see it on tv and even in real life you know it's people who all have you know dif- difficulties with their parents or you know things like that and you know they hold grudges against their parents you know and and sometimes it's like you really need to take into consideration like what things the parents went through you yeah. know what i'm saying what is it that made them that way you let know let me
1: tell you what my therapist told me one day she said there's a thing called experience and um what was the other word she used experience and and just telling you mm-hmm. that wasn't the word she used but She was telling me about, like, why my mother was the way she was with me as a mother. Mm -hmm. And she said, that's my mother raised me the way she raised me based off the experience that she had when her mother raised her. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: that's the same thing with you. You raise your boys based on the way your mother raised you. And -hmm. it continues. But she said that on the other side of that is just trying to explain, like, well, why did my mama do some of the things that I did? Like, those were the two points that she was making. Yeah. Like, if I question, oh, well, why did my mom do some of the things that she did? But it's like, I can only answer that question based on the experience that she had from her mother. And I was like, oh, OK, that's a cool way to look at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I definitely look at those types of situations in that way. And I think it's important, like, as you, because, you know, once your kids get older, you are able to have a different type of relationship with them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And so I think it's important to have those types of conversations when your kids get older and help them to understand, like, it's one thing for your child to be understanding or whatever but I think it's also important to have those types of conversations with them to explain you know what it was that you could have potentially been going through at that time when you were making those decisions or you know what led you to make the decision so um yeah and and I think also I think kids once they old enough to have the conversation, you know, express how it made them feel. And hopefully the other person is receptive to that.
1: Yeah, and that's why I say that goes back to the relationship that I have with my boys. Mm -hmm. Like growing up, we went through things, we argued a lot and me and my, my boys, my oldest, we end up like taking a little break. We didn't talk to each other for a while. Mm. And we just recently reconnected. And when I tell you the relationship, the conversation is different. Yeah. We both separated and grown as people from the time that we haven't been around each other. We have different perspectives on life now.
2: Yeah. And
1: I'm just like going all that time without talking to my son, like it did something to me mentally. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever. But I think now that we're back working on our relationship, it can start back. I can start back healing. Yeah. But I think we're in a good place. And again, I'm just grateful to God that we are in this place because this is something I wanted for a long time. And I told God I wanted my son back in my life and he gave him to me. That's what's up. Well, I am super happy to hear that
0: you and your kids' relationship is in a better place and that y'all are able to discuss the things that y'all have gone through. And it sounds like both of y'all are open um to the process of healing through what y'all went through. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is important. Um yeah. And as far as this lady that's like that tried to kidnap somebody's child, like you definitely deserve to be somewhere where you can get help, you know, where she can get help for what it is that she's going through because she's going through something mentally mm-hmm. for sure. um, and I hope that she gets the appropriate diagnosis and the help that she needs to, to make it through what she whatever she's going through because, you know, you just never know what folks are going through and like I say, if I was the mother whose child was taken, I'd be like, I need the max punishment. (laughs) But, but, but being somebody who, who is understanding that that woman is potentially going through something is like, you know, I just hope that she gets the help that she needs.
1: Yeah. That's the hope.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And is open and receptive to it because she really could have some type of mental instability where she thinks she's fine and she really ain't. Yeah, it could
1: be a psychotic break.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. Um, one of my people that worked for me, he had a psychotic break. And it was so weird how it happened. Like he had made up this whole story about something that happened to him, and he was telling me, and I was mm-hmm. like, what? Mm-hmm. I I was so confused. I'm like, that don't even make sense. But it really made sense in his
2: mind. Yeah.
0: And we had sent him somewhere because he was saying, all in all, the story was about how something was wrong with his car. And so we told him, go ahead and see what was going on with the car. And he took it, and the people like, ain't nothing wrong with the car. But I guess the man at the counter was like, just listening to him talk and how he was rambling on about whatever he was rambling about. And he was like, I guess he had called, he had called my coworker to let him know, like he was up there getting a car looked at whatever. And so he ended up, my coworker ended up going up to the car, car shop and the, uh, the guy was like, I think he having a psychotic break because what he's saying about this car is not making sense. And so, you know, the police is there and he was like, cause I think they ended up calling the police for whatever reason. And my coworkers like, well, can y'all drug test them? Can you do a sobriety test? And they was like, this ain't drug nor alcohol related. You know what I'm saying? Right. This is something else. And he did end up having to go to a mental facility and uh, get some assistance, so it's definitely one of those things, like, you just never know how that is going to present itself in people.
1: Yeah, you're right, Mm -hmm. you know, that's the thing, well, because it's such a big part of my life, but I just think mental health in general, mental illness, Mm-hmm. It's so interesting to me, the fact that they come up with new mental disorders damn near every day. It's like everybody has to have something going on with them. Yeah, but A lot of people they're you know, we, we don't talk about it or we're in denial about it. So we don't check up on our mental health. But it's something as simple as, you know, a lot of people have anxiety. But it doesn't mean anything is wrong with you just because you get anxiety sometimes. Yeah. Everybody gets sad from time to time. So it's not say it's not bad that you go through a little depression, but yeah. it's just when those things continue for a prolonged period of time, that's when now, okay, I need to go sit down and talk to somebody because maybe I have something going on with me. That's it's not the textbook definition. But one of the definitions of mental illness is when you have one of these kind of episodes and it lasts a little, and it lasts for a prolonged period of time, then it's considered a mental disorder. Mm. But just mental health, mental illness, and in general, it's so interesting to me. Like, I have a girlfriend of mine who has, we both have BPD. But when I tell you our minds work completely different, Mm -hmm. I tell her all the time, like my mind is just chaos. There's just chaos all the time. Yeah. But her brain, her chaos is organized. Whereas I, it may take me about five minutes to tell you everything that I got to do in one day she can just spit off. Oh, I got to do this and this and this and this. Like hers is more organized. Yeah. And I'm like, that is so cool. We both have the same mental disorder, but our minds act are totally different. So it's just so cool. Whenever I meet another person that has mental disorders, I love having conversations with them mm-hmm. just to see how their mind functions as compared to mine. Yeah, so cool <laughs> so you know I think
0: that is gonna wrap it up for this week's word on the street and we have talked a lot about like mental health and so I think that's a good segue into this week's hot cup of cocoa so in this week's hot cup of cocoa Aurelius is here because she wrote a book about um relationships and how mental health can play a part in, in, um, in your mental health. And so Aurelia, if you want to go ahead and tell us about yourself and your book and, and just, yeah, tell tell us, you know, about the book.
1: Okay. So the book is called Love and Mental Health. It's a mental health love story. So the sh- the short condensed version of the book, it's about a relationship that I was in, and we both had mental disorders. We both had BPD, but he Did was y'all in know it the- at the time. No, at the time I didn't. I didn't realize it until uh, until after I was out of the relationship,
2: mm-hmm.
1: which is why. So hold on. Let me get, let me finish explaining the book, then I'll jump into that. Okay. So in the book, we both had mental disorders, but he was in denial about his, which made for a very interesting story. Because I will tell you, like when I wrote this book, I was going through it. That was the lowest point of my life. Like that was my rock bottom. I I. I tried to commit suicide. Like it was bad. That was the worst time of my life. But the only thing that I could find that made me feel it gave me any kind of pleasure was just writing. So I just started writing in my journal and I start writing in my journal every single day. And I write about the relationship that I was in after. I got out of the hospital because, yes, we got back together. After all this, we we broke up. I tried to commit suicide. We're still broken up. We got back together. So it's a crazy story. Mm
2: -hmm. And I
1: don't want to give too much away, but there were just a lot of things that happened. Things that happened in our relationship are not, not things that would happen in a regular relationship. So that's why I said it, it makes for a very interesting story. Okay.
0: <laughs> so, so I know you mentioned you were like writing in your journal, but what actually made you turn those journal entries, I guess, into the book?
2: So
1: I always wanted to write a book, fun fact. That was one thing I always wanted to do. I didn't know how, who, what, where, when, why, how, none of that. But you know how you make your, your list of goals that you want to do? Writing a book was one of my goals. Mm-hmm. So I was writing in my journal. And all I said was, dang, Arise, you went through a lot. What if you could tell the story to to somebody else and it could maybe help them right but I was like I didn't know how to put the story together but I wanted to write a write a book one day I was just sitting in my office and God said to me write the book and instantly I got on my computer I just started typing and the words just came to me I was just writing Mm -hmm. and in about an hour I had wrote the first chapter. sent it to a few people and they all like dang grace this is good like yeah yeah, I want to read some more and so I continued writing the first few chapters was easy because I was writing from memory yeah but when I finally got into my journal I stopped because I had wrote all those words, but I had never gone back to read my journal. Yeah. So when I went back to read my journal, all those emotions started coming back to me. Mm-hmm. And I stopped writing. I, I was like, God, I can't do this. This is too heavy. Like, I'm not ready. Yeah. And I'm a real big um, Pastor Sarah J. Roberts fan. I love her. And, and I watched four of her sermons and in every sermon, she said, write the book, write the book.
0: Come on, write so the I book. Was
1: like, I was like, okay, God, okay, let me write this book. So I finished writing it. I went through all the emotions. Sorry. I went through all the emotions again, but I, I feel that by writing this book and going through all these emotions again, I finally have the closure that I wanted. I realized I would probably never get an apology from this guy. So I had to find my own form of closure and writing this book gave me closure. I'm glad
0: that you say, you know, like you realize like you were not going to get the closure from him that you mm-hmm. needed. And I remember I made, it's, it's a little mean. it ain't nothing, you know, too in depth or whatever, but it said closure is a scam. And mm-hmm. I say, and I believe that, I believe it's a scam in a sense of you waiting to get closure from somebody um, yeah. because you're not guaranteed to get that from them. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But what you are guaranteed is to find a way of closure within yourself. You know what I'm saying? Even though you may not get the answers that you want, I think actually like evaluating where you are now from where you came from and like really doing the work, like as far as like going to therapy and all of that, like that's the way that you find closure. It's not from somebody or the person you feel hurt you because they might not have done the work. They might not be in the place to be like, okay, let me apologize to this person. Let me give them the real answer as to, you know, why things were the way that they were. You know, like a lot of people ask me, because I was married before and when we got divorced, a lot of people be like, well, why did y'all get divorced? And I'm like, I don't have a legit reason as to why my ex-husband didn't want to stay married to me. But I do know that I can make inferences based off the issues that we had. Like, were those issues, could we have worked out those issues? Yeah, we could have. But at the end of the day, as far as what the reason is to why we couldn't move forward or work it out, I don't have those answers. But I have to be okay with that and know, like, I had to do the work to get myself in a place where I could move past it and get that closure
1: as well. Yeah. So let me ask you a question. I want to tell you a little bit. It's kind of like a prelude to a prelude. (laughs) so the first chapter in my book is called the prelude it's where I give you an introduction to who I am and I I give you a backstory so so you understand the story you're about to read yeah so I'm going to give you a prelude to me Mm -hmm. so do you know what a sapiosexual is
0: a sapiosexual
1: yeah
0: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: so I'm one of those right okay And so the guy in the book, like he was very intelligent. Mm -hmm. He was also a narcissist too. So that that was fun. (laughs) So the thing about with him being so intelligent and him being a narcissist, you know, it was like, if a guy can capture my mind, like, oh my God, good luck trying to get me to leave him. And so I think that played a really big part in the relationship because I was so attracted to that and wanting to stay in that,
2: mm-hmm. that.
1: But that that me being that sapiosexual, like, yeah, that played a big part in that relationship.
0: And I, I can definitely see that because there have been situations where I've been attracted to some like deeply attracted to someone because of the conversations that we had like Mm -hmm. the being able to learn something from that person Mm -hmm. and like having to remove myself from the situation and not because anything bad happened just maybe circumstances weren't right but then maybe to later on talk to them again but just not be as attracted to them anymore and maybe nothing they said was different or you know how they operated was different but just realizing like I'm no longer in that place to be as attracted or interested in what you're saying anymore
1: you know what I'm saying Mm
2: -hmm.
0: yeah so I I definitely get that
1: yeah because I think even though I'm over him, you know, the relationship is over, I moved on and everything or whatever, I still would have a conversation with him because I'm still attracted to his mind.
2: Ah, oh.
0: so if he came around and was like, say he realized like what was going on with y'all or that he had a mental illness, do you feel like, would you So you would be receptive or open to him apologizing?
1: I would be open to him apologizing, but I would never date him again. I could never date him again. That's, but that's why I said have a conversation. I would have a conversation with him because I do feel like me and him need to discuss the fact that I wrote a book about him. <laughs> so I do think we need to talk about that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I just want to have... I. That that mental attraction is still there. Okay, okay, and I
0: I can understand that, like mentally, still being attracted to somebody. So prior to you getting into that relationship, um, were you how long were you single before you and him got together?
2: Oh,
1: girl. <laughs> so um before I met him I was living in Florida mm-hmm. um I had been single I had a guy guy friend that's all I had but he wasn't a boyfriend yeah so I probably had been single a year two years maybe
2: hmm
0: so did you so, I know for myself, like, there have been times where I, like, desperately desired to be in a relationship.
1: Mm-hmm. So, do
0: you feel like that that year or two of being single, that you just really wanted to be in a relationship?
1: Of course.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: think... At that point in my life, because I felt like I had everything else going for myself to consider myself a success, I'm putting that in quotes.
2: Yeah.
1: I had everything except for the relationship. The relationship was the only thing I didn't have. So when he came along promising me the world, Mm -hmm. I was like, shoot, yeah, let me go for this. Let me see
2: yeah
1: but you know it's it's just interesting the way that it happened. It happened so fast, like it we moved really fast. We fell in love like instantly, and I was just enamored by the feeling that he gave me that emotional attachment that he gave me and the way that he made me feel. I say it felt like electricity going through my body it was just a feeling he gave me that no other guy had ever given me and I wanted that feeling and I always wanted to have that feeling and I always had that feeling every time I was around him so how did you so
0: once y'all was like in the relationship like what things started to happen where you felt like it was affecting you mentally besides so me, that emotional connection
1: the very first time we had an argument i'm going to tell you what happened we went out to a bar and um when we were walking in the bouncer was like i need to check your bag i was like sure and he had this like man bag thing on right Mm-hmm. And the bouncer was like, I need to check your purse. Well, my first reaction was to laugh. Like, oh my God, why would he say that? It's not a person <laughs> the man that the But my first reaction was to laugh. And it's like, I instantly regretted that because mm-hmm. we did go inside the place, but we end up leaving because, you know, I just felt, I was like, uh-uh, he's upset. Like, I instantly felt that he was upset with me. Yeah. so we got home we got back home he didn't talk to me the whole ride home he went in the room like I went in our bedroom he went in his man cave and he did not come out oh he didn't talk to me for the rest of that day Mm. that was the very first time he got mad at me I was like damn is he really that mad But I I was like, because in my mind, I was like, okay, he got a little embarrassed, but okay, ain't nobody else see it but me and him or whatever. But in his mind, that was something major. Array, how could you laugh at me? I'm your man this other man made fun of me and you laughed at me that's what was going through his mind I learned all this stuff after the fact wow. <laughs> I started analyzing everything like oh when I was going through editing this book I said oh yeah that was BPD yeah that was definitely that's the narcissism right there. yeah <laughs> so I was diagnosing him as I was reading through this Cause I always wondered what mental disorder he had. I knew he had some kind of mental disorder, but I didn't know which one. Yeah. I thought maybe he had bipolar disorder, but I was like, nah, raise this a little more than bipolar disorder. But <laughs> so he was mad at me and I do I did what I end up doing a lot of times in that relationship. I end up apologizing mm. like damn babe I'm sorry I didn't mean to laugh at you it wasn't that serious but I couldn't even say it wasn't that serious because yes. to him it really was that serious right so like with him being a narcissist everything was about appeasing to his ego mm-hmm. so I really and that was the way that we went in our relationship whenever he would get mad at me I would be the one apologizing appeasing to his ego that was our cycle. Yeah. But see on that end that was the BP, B, BPD on my end that part of wanting to be in a relationship wanting to have love so bad because like I told you he gave me the spit on that felt like lightning. I always wanted to feel that. Mm-hmm. So I found myself trying to be perfect. And of course, that was affecting my mental my mental state because perfection does not exist. Right. So I'm stressing myself out, trying to do any and everything I can possible to make this man happy because I love this man. At the end of the day, it was a love story. I love this man and I wanted it to work. So I was telling myself, you're going to do whatever you can to make this work. Whatever you got to do, you're going to do it. Yeah. So, because that was the dynamics of our relationship, after dating him, I have never, I haven't been in a relationship yet. I have guys that I date, but I haven't been in a relationship. And I feel like because I gave so much of myself in that relationship, Mm-hmm. I refuse to ever settle again. Yeah. Like there's no way because at the end of the day, I gave that man everything I had plus more. And it still wasn't enough. Yeah. So I was like, lesson learned, Aris. don't ever do that again.
0: Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I can, I can definitely understand the feeling of having this like super amazing feeling with somebody, this amazing connection with them and, and not wanting to lose it. But real, like when the relationship is not doing what it's supposed to do. So with, okay. So saying that sometimes it makes me wonder, like, is that the feeling you are supposed to get like that? that connection that emotional like this is my person it make me wonder is that the feeling you supposed to get with the person that you in a relationship with or or not you know what I'm saying
1: well he was the first person I've ever had that feeling with so Mm. I don't know Mm. I've been looking for that same feeling and I haven't found it yet yeah
0: yeah I can understand that too so I know like as, as a woman, we have desires to be in a relationship, to, to build these lives that, that we want to have, to have a family, husband, children, you know, all of those things that we think are like the right way to do things. Do you feel like social media had also played a part in why you felt like you just wanted to be in a relationship so
2: bad?
1: Oh my God, let me tell you, the best thing I ever did for myself was, on. well, I had already did it on Instagram, but everybody does it on Instagram, but on my Facebook, I hit my like count. And when I tell you that was the best thing I ever did for myself, because a lot of people won't admit to this, but if I got a post that got a picture of myself and I thought I was cute and a lot of other people thought I was cute too. That's going to boost my ego. A lot of people want to admit that, but it does. It does make you feel some kind of way when other people are telling you, yeah, you're beautiful because you think you're beautiful too. Mm. And then when it comes to relationships, of course, everybody is going to portray to the world that things are perfect. Yeah. And we did that too. We used to post each other on social media. We were crazy about each other. When things were good, they were good. We were couple goals and people had no idea what we was doing, we was going through behind behind closed doors. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, social media, the pressure of social media, it it had and you know, I want to answer this question in two different in two different ways. So I answered it about the relationship, but I also wanted to answer it by in a mental health standpoint. Mm-hmm. Because when you get somebody like me with BPD and BPD, symptoms of BPD are low self-esteem, um, poor body image, um, your confidence is lower. It's like you already have these negative things Piled up against you. Yeah. So then to have social media, actual real people telling you, no, race, you're not pretty enough. No, race, you're not good enough. You're not popular enough. We don't like you enough. Nobody cares enough. Like it has a way of affecting, well, my mind. I can't speak for anybody else, but it had a way of affecting my mind, which again, like I said, by me hiding my like count, now I don't have to worry about. Oh, if a hundred people think I'm pretty or two people think I'm pretty, I think I'm pretty. And that's all that matters. I have, I had to get to a point where I had to learn to just love myself, flaws and all. And now that I've gotten to that point, and when I say flaws and all, I mean flaws and all, Yeah. <laughs> but now that I've finally gotten to this point, I love myself and I'm at this I don't care what other people think about me stage. And it's a beautiful place to be. Mm-hmm. I agree.
0: I definitely feel like everybody's opinion is not warranted. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And it shouldn't affect how you feel about yourself or about the things that you do. And um that's the one thing. And I've said this before on the show is like, I dislike how everybody's everybody has an opinion you know Mm. what I'm saying and they think like just because I have this opinion I can say it and they don't care about how it makes other people feel you know what I'm saying or the person that the opinion is being directed to so um I definitely say when when you start stop caring about what everybody else thinks I definitely think like you could just be in a far better place mentally because that is added on pressure to be like, I think I'm cute. Why a whole bunch of people ain't liking my picture?
2: You know mm-hmm. what I'm
0: saying? Or, you know, that type of thing. Or to see couples on social media talking about some, oh, we had date night or we took a trip or, you know, this yeah. and that. And it's just like, damn, I want me and my man to do that too. Yeah, You know, but like understanding like, Maybe we just ain't in that place right now. You know what I'm saying? And that's okay. Um, But I remember when I was married, like I would post my husband on social media all the time. You know what I'm saying? And so um, I think I got ready to take a picture of us one time and he said, you ain't gonna do nothing but post this on on Instagram anyway. So I just didn't post the picture. I was like, fine, I ain't gonna post it you know but and then you know when you think about it like people post the happiest times in their life on social media you know whatever and me and him was we would be having issues you know what I'm saying so it wasn't all great and and all amazing like when I would post and he would be like you know do nice things for me or whatever and I would post about it but we would probably be going through something you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so it did become like, I was just posting because that's what I thought I was supposed to be doing, Yeah, you know? And now the relationship I'm in now, like I don't post him or say anything about him on social media, you know? So Mm -hmm. honestly, it would probably look like to an outsider that I was still single, but to me, that's me protecting that part of my relationship like regardless if we good or if we going through something there's nobody else there being like oh couple goes like oh y'all so cute or you know whatever knowing that we just got through arguing, you know what I'm saying yeah. so it's kind of just like I'm able to go through whatever I'm going through with him and that be just between me and him and nobody else because even when me and my ex-husband had got divorced of course like the pictures got taken down and I stopped posting him and, you know, things like that. And then people thought it was okay to ask me, like, what happened with you and him? That ain't none Mm -hmm. of your business. Right. You know what I'm saying? But I have invited y'all into my relationship to think that's y'all business to know that we broke up. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So it's just like now, like, that's, that's a lot of pressure. And I did feel a way. You know, when people would be asking me, like, well, what happened between y'all? How do you even know I'm ready to have this conversation? Right. Like, here again, you don't even care about how I feel. You know, you just want to be nosy Mm -hmm. and ask me what's going on. When it's just like, that's not your business. Let me grieve in peace. (laughs) Correct. (laughs) You know, so I I definitely feel like social media has played uh, or does. And it has played a part in in my life and my feelings and and things like that. Um, just because you want to be able to have those experiences with the person that you that you're with, you know what I'm saying? And maybe y'all not in a place where that's possible at the moment, or whatever the case may be. But you got social media constantly throwing it in your face, like oh, you not, you not there, you not, you know what I'm saying, mm-hmm. and that could be hard for some people to deal with.
1: Yeah, I said, um, my next, if I ever get in a relationship, I don't see myself posting on Facebook, <laughs> because it's just a lot it's a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. and i don't have a really i'll be honest i don't have a real good track record with relationships (laughs) (laughs) so i don't need to be posting nothing online because one day i love you the next day we I, and the third day we done broke up then the fourth day we got back together look it's, it's toxic and uh uh-uh, uh y'all ain't ready for that conversation. We going to talk about the toxic relationship. Read the book for the toxic relationship. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, since you telling folks read the book, you know, do you want to go ahead and tell people where they can buy your book at?
1: Well, the book is available on Amazon and it's also on my website and i will leave that with Ke- with coco so she can um leave it down below
0: okay and then do you have like you want to let everybody know like where they
1: can follow you at on social media on instagram is aurelius on facebook is aurelius kingdom and youtube is also aurelius kingdom okay so I know I kind
0: of just jumped to like where people can buy the book and stuff, but you know, do you have any final words that you would like to, to impart on the Kiki crew? Um,
2: I think, let me see. So when it comes to the book,
1: Um, I wanted people to read the book to see, like, like I say, it was the worst part of my life, the darkest moments of my life. But what I really wanted to show in the book was the mental health aspect. I really wanted to hit on the mental health aspect because we in the Black community, we don't talk about mental illness enough. So I wanted my book to be a conversation starter because there's definitely mental illness. There's love, mental illness, music, and God in that book. That's what's in that book. (laughs) And it's like, I just feel like by, I can, I made myself vulnerable by telling my story, by putting myself out there, but I've already had people come back to me and tell me, girl, your book is the truth. Let me tell you my story. And that was one of the feelings that I wanted to get out of my book. I wanted it to, so another woman can be like, oh my God, I'm not the only one that went through that to know, no, sis, you're not alone, I went through it and this is how I got through it and you can get through it too. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted my book to be because I felt like, this was such a personal story that I told it's a it's a very personal story but I feel like it's necessary I feel like my book is very necessary because like I say it is mental illness it is mental health something we don't talk about in the black community it is a relationship and everybody that's been in a relationship can relate yeah everybody that's been in love can relate. I said, you know, I don't even want to fall in love again because I feel like when I when I fall in love, I become stupid <laughs> and I don't like that feeling. So I don't know, maybe I feel like maybe God is still just preparing me because nobody that I've met has had me like Oh my God, you swept me off my feet. I'm ready to give it all up for you. (laughs) But I think that's a defense mechanism. That love mechanism, I really think I use that. And I don't know if that's a part of my mental disorder or if that's just me trying to protect myself because I know I'm an emotional cancer. So I have a big heart and I love heart. (laughs) So I think- I, I think
0: it's a defense mechanism for sure because mm-hmm. I remember like going through my divorce and feeling like I don't ever want to feel like this again I don't ever mm-hmm. want to give somebody control control of my feelings you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. you can say one thing and now my mood has changed like I just like I never wanted to feel that way again I never wanted nobody to have that type of power over me again Mm -hmm. and um you know and it's a defense mechanism some people it take longer to get over that some people you know they can go ahead and move forward in whatever way they feel uh possible so like when I think about when relationships end and the how quickly you get into another relationship I definitely think that's all Mm -hmm. contingent upon the person and what they feel they can handle now do I personally recommend jumping from one relationship to another no I do Mm -hmm. not because I feel like there definitely needs to be healing that occurs you know what I'm saying after a breakup um but how fastly you move on that's totally up to that person. You know what I'm saying? Um Yeah, I definitely think it's just up to the person, but no going having gone through therapy and and stuff like that, I definitely feel like you have to do some work on yourself before you get into mm-hmm. another relationship. And yeah. you know as much as other people want to say like, you know your friends and your family, they could all be like, it was him, girl. It was him. You know, he was just trash or he was whatever. You know, we can all play the, the blame game on somebody, but there were things that you probably did as well in that relationship mm-hmm. that, that made the relationship the way it was. And so I think it's important to try and discover what that is. So that moving forward to have a healthy relationship with someone else when you're ready, when the time comes, you know, you not repeating those same cycles.
1: Yeah, and that's the most important thing. And, you know, that's why I'm glad I have the mentality that I have now. A relationship is not my focus. Remember we were talking about earlier that strong desire to be in a relationship? Mm -hmm. Well, I can tell you, stand before you today and tell you a relationship is not my focus. So... I'm when I tell you that book gave me closure. That book gave writing that book gave me everything I needed to move forward.
0: Yeah. And I think I think that is really good. I'm glad to have had this conversation with you. Um, I'm definite, I have the book, definitely gonna read it. Um, it's one of the books I plan on taking with me when I go on the, on my deployment to read. And I definitely can't wait to give you my, my feedback, my take on it. Um, Just because like you said, everybody been in a relationship, they can relate. And there are like, all of us have something going on with us mentally. It may not be a straight up mental disorder or whatever, but a relationship and especially one that's not the best for you Mm. can bring out some things in you that you didn't even know was possible.
2: You know what I'm saying. So
0: I think this is a really good book that everybody should, you know, get and read and just reflect on your own personal stuff. Like if you've been through something, if you're going through something, and even if you haven't been through nothing, you know, like we not exempt from trial and tribulations. You know what I'm saying. So I definitely would say get the book, read it. And just gain some perspective for yourself. But, you know, as always, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Y'all can follow me on all social media platforms at Kiki with Coco. And until next time, bye. Bye.